0: the Pillars of Health podcast with strength coach John Carroll, coming to you from the Movement Lab in Raleigh, North Carolina. We're about to dive into everything you need to know when it comes to strength and conditioning, nutrition, sleep, and stress management. Check us out on movementlabrally.com and coachjohncarroll.com. And now your host, John Carroll.
1: I'm very excited to talk to Tara Davis today on the Post health podcast welcome Tara
0: thank you hi
1: we are excited to delve into relationships and intimacy and everything that goes along with those two topics mm-hmm. so before we do that let's kind of get into the icebreaker question and I'm going to ask you what is the biggest lesson or takeaway you've had from a could be a current or previous relationship mm
0: mm-hmm. You know, as I looked at this question, um, I really sat and thought, God, what is one major lesson mm-hmm. that I've learned? And actually, there is not well, there is one, but here's how I look at it is I'm just open every day to all the lessons that come about because I know for me, triggers are my lessons. Mm-hmm. So whatever is up and whatever is triggering me, there's a lesson in there for me. But one of the really big lessons for me. In my current relationship, this year we'll be married 25 years. Actually, oh. in a couple weeks, 25 years of marriage. Congratulations! Thank you. It doesn't seem so long, but right. on the other, other hand, it seems like an eternity because I've learned so much.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so one of the biggest lessons that I have learned that my husband has just been amazing is that I have learned to use my voice. Mm-hmm. It has been the biggest transformation of me in our marriage, as equally as it has been at, in a partnership and as in a, in a couple. But for me, it has just been to, I've grown into me. Had I not been in a partnership, like in, in a marriage, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have grown into me fully as I have with my husband. He has been my biggest teacher, my biggest growth opportunity. And just by being him, he's not done anything differently. Right. But just by being him, yeah, it's been my biggest proponent for growth.
1: Okay. That's a, that's a really interesting answer and kind of, you know, touches on some areas we'll kind of get into later on as well. But one thing that kind of comes up for me when it comes to relationships and marriage and, you know, looking back on my experience too, and I'm I'm married right now and, you know, we've been together for three years, married four years total. And I realized that I had a serious lack of communication ability when it came to relationships and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something I needed to improve on. But then I'm thinking, well, you know, there's quite a few men who have communication issues when it comes right? to relationships. Yeah, you know, but th- that needs some serious work in order to make things work overall for your relationship, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And so, part of my journey into myself and wanting to have this fantastic marriage mm-hmm. um, was learning how to communicate. Mm-hmm. And communication is so much more than just talking. Communication is being able to identify. And again, it comes back to us. It's, uh, it's learning what our feelings are because we really can't communicate and express our feelings if we don't know what they are other than angry or happy. Right. right? And so I, I always love saying that, you know, anger and happiness are just the front man for, or front woman for whatever is underneath. And, happiness is great, but but let's feel into that. What else is there? Is there gratitude? Is there joy? Is there bliss? And equally underneath happy or underneath anger is, you know, what is underneath anger? There are a gazillion things that are underneath anger. And so what this has to do with communication is that once we start learning about ourselves and really diving into learning about us that's where the communication piece comes in because then we can actually make it about us I feel blank
2: right.
0: you know I feel blank when this happens instead of pointing the finger and being external and making it about our partner well you always do blank right. instead you know looking in and thinking okay so my partner always does this it literally is a lesson for us in that my partner will continue to do this until this trigger no longer triggers me, and I heal whatever that trigger is. Mm-hmm. As much as we want to airbox our partner and say, God, would you please just stop it? <laughs> right. It truly is our own lesson. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. and, and, I, and I just want to touch real quick, John, on yeah. the the communication piece. And you're right. As males, I don't know that you are purposefully taught the communication piece. I think as a a society, we've left it up to the women to take care of that piece in the marriage, Mm -hmm. right? And so as women, we find ourselves wanting to communicate. Most of us love to talk. And so we become that piece of the marriage. And the guys are just kind of left like going, oh, okay, well, sure, whatever (laughs) you say, you know? Exactly. And so my husband, bless his heart, because he's so married to me, he's been pretty much exposed to all forms of communication as I've grown. You know, I've gone through so many different courses on how to communicate. And so his communication, by default, just gets up-leveled each time I take a new course or I learn, you know, little minute Triggers and changes in our communication. So right. I love working with males on communication. Okay,
1: that's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating insight because uh, obviously the questions we have lined up will kind of delve into communication a little bit more as well. But um, I used to always joke with. Whoever I was seeing at the time was like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm an Irish male, uh, Irish Catholic male originally, so, you know, feelings and expression of those feelings does not come naturally, so so just just be warned, yeah, so.
0: (laughs) Right, and when it doesn't come naturally, that's the part where we compassionately and gently work on it. It's not something that you just, you know, force to happen, like, look, you're going to talk. Yes. Because (laughs) that that doesn't happen. Definitely
1: (laughs) not, definitely not.
0: And so it's using that, that gentleness and that compassion of weaving in communication. And all right, I know you're not talking about your feelings, but let's let's try this. Let's just look at one thing. And so by compassionately and gently looking into that, and I love your background because, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't come naturally. So <laughs> bravo for that. Yes,
1: yes. So step one is, is realizing that, admit it, and admitting it, step two is working on it, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For, for everyone listening, can you just kind of delve into your background and, and your path to becoming a relationship intimacy uh, expert, please?
0: Yes, yes, yes. And so when we got married, it was so fun. We were married for the first five years. And I love to say, like, we actually were still in honeymoon, like, that first five years. And then all right. of a sudden, like, the real world came in. And I was like, God, this is not what I signed up for. And <laughs> This is not what I thought marriage was supposed to be like. And so I started figuring out and and going outward looking for, okay, well, I guess it's up to me to do this because finger pointing wasn't working and that wasn't solving anything. And trying to make him shift and change wasn't doing anything. I mean, that was running up a brick wall. And so I realized that I knew how I wanted my marriage to be And I knew I wanted to be in this for the long haul. I knew I wanted an end-all, be-all relationship where I could just like emotionally snuggle up in my partner's lap and just be able to completely unfold however that looked without judgment. And at the time I thought, well, this is like a fairy tale, like that would never happen. But I thought something in me knew that's exactly what I wanted and I was not going to settle for anything less. Okay. And so I started on this personal development path that I was completely new to, At you know, about five years into our marriage. Mm-hmm. And that was such a new thing to me. And then once I started down that path, it was like an addiction. I could not get enough of self-help and personal development. And so then I started realizing, well, the marriage is a completely ever-flowing, changing, evolving entity of itself but i am responsible for my half of the street in this marriage right. and so i kept you know making myself i don't want to use the word better but just continually working on myself to heal whatever triggers continually came up and so when i kept doing this other people kept asking me well how do you do this marriage thing like you seem to be fairly good at it and then and so i started sharing and then by default my husband was in the military at the time and so he was an officer so he would have you know, he would be in charge of, you know, hundreds of soldiers at a time, and then they would deploy, and then I was here in the States while they were, you know, in some other country, and then there would be all of the wives that were here, and so they would ask me all these questions, and so I, by default, kind of became this coach, like this surrogate coach, right. and it felt so comfortable for me, and so I kept sharing all of the knowledge that I got, and then I realized, I'm actually kind of good at this, right. and so I started... <laughs> And then I just realized how much I loved helping other women and empowering other women in this format. And so I just started the coaching. And then I realized in my own marriage that each time my husband, because of the military, would be gone and come home and gone and come home, then it really started interrupting the flow of what I I thought we had this really good thing going. And I thought, God, this is not working. That took us into... Therapy for years and years and years and years because actually at a point we got to being I don't even know how to be married to you anymore because you're never home right. And so it wasn't a bad thing was, at <clears throat> first. I was using that to finger point Right and thought well I think this marriage is over because you're just never here mm-hmm. and I thought no actually I'm gonna use this as a growth point and How do we make this work? And so again because we were in the military we moved every couple of years So it was a different therapist every couple of years, yeah. Because I was determined to really make this work. And so each time we would move, it would be a different therapist with a different concept or with a different twist. And so I continually kept learning all of these modalities, which then put me back into school. As an adult, I went back um, for a degree in psychology because the brain and how we function just fascinated me. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that once we start onto this path of self-discovery, it's really the connection of intimacy within ourselves that we bring to the marriage. Once we have such an in-depth insight into ourselves, that's when the intimacy in the marriage actually starts to spark. Because the intimacy isn't the sex, right? It's not the bedroom. Right. The intimacy is that internal knowing of ourselves that we bring to share with our partner and when we have such a depth within ourselves that's when we're actually able to open up and be completely vulnerable and transparent with our partner until we've done that internal work we are closed and we don't have the availability for the intimacy with our partner right. and so I really realized that because of the personal work that I've done and this is certainly not a saying that I'm perfect, because every day is a new day that I'm still learning. But I've learned that when the triggers come, and even though I will contract into the trigger and go, Oh, no, this is the one that's about <laughs> you, again.
2: <Right>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> again, I will remember to get out of my head and back into my heart and realize, Okay, good God, it's about me. Right. <laughs> yep, there it is. <laughs> and then realize that, okay, it's another Piece for me to look within and realize, right? There's another layer that I can let go of, that brings even more intimacy into that place. Right. So, and so, as I'm teaching this and teach more and more with couples, I'm loving learning and realize that men want this connection just as much as women. They just haven't realized how to get to it.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. The the point you bring up there about looking within kind of being the first step to kind of allow everything else in relationship to open up. Right. Um, do you, do you feel like that's such a hard thing for a lot of people to do? And you know, then when, when things aren't going well and you know, like you said before, you know, like this, this relationship is over, it's kind of like the easy way out to be like, okay, we're Mm -hmm. done as opposed Mm -hmm. to delving into yourself and seeing what you can do better.
0: Agreed. Yes. I in looking back. I know it would have been the completely easy way because I was getting to the point. I was I was literally on the cliff. It was either I run away and divorce mm-hmm. or I jump in and feel all of that guck and muck and pain and right. everything else. And what I decided was, and I don't even think it was a conscious decision. It wasn't like, okay, I'm totally heading for the pain. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was, I don't know how else to do this other than I love you so dearly with all of my heart. I just got to keep going forward with this. And in saying that, my partner also got to a space of, I really love you. And I can't imagine not doing this with you. So how do we do this? And it was coming to that place. And it isn't easy. I will 100% say we have been at rock bottom four times. And it is not easy. Because Mm -hmm. the easy way is to say, forget this. I am out. Like we have tried so much. We've our boxing gloves are worn out. And right. so yeah, but each time there was a vulnerability that we both came to in realizing oh man, I really love you.
2: Right.
0: Had that not been there. And in saying that, that is also a place to get to that's often not easy because when you're at that place of God, we're just, we're just not made for each other. Mm. There are so many feelings that are covering up, you know, that onion. There's so many layers at that point of that, that uh, bottom, that point of the bottom. There are so many feelings of bitterness and anger and resentment. It's almost hard to find that nugget of love. And so you know, I always encourage people when you get to that point of that, that rock bottom, search out someone to talk to because if you're not shifting and healing what this trigger is for you, you're carrying all of this to the next relationship.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, and, it's, and it's not easy, John. You're absolutely right. It's not easy. Right.
1: The uh, Yeah. The point you, you just brought up about, about chatting to someone or talking to someone else because uh, again, getting back to my background, that was uh, a lifesaver for me, be, being able mm-hmm. to communicate with someone else who wasn't directly involved in you know the relationship and can give mm-hmm. you that 30,000-foot uh, view from overhead, like, okay, here's what I see going on, as opposed mm-hmm. to just my perspective, right? And so that definitely gave me some perspective as to, okay, this isn't about the other person. I can do more on my end to contribute more and make this a better relationship.
0: Absolutely. And I love that you did that because, yes, just having someone else's perspective to say, oh, d- did you recognize that this is what's going on? You're like, oh, God, holy cow, I've never even realized exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just that affording that opinion or that uh, offering of someone else's viewpoint who can help you see like, right, it is isn't. I keep finger pointing and I keep finger pointing about the same trigger. All of these have that common factor in there. Actually, I do need to clean up my side of the street because it is about me.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, and so when we start working, when I start working with couples and in and individuals, I just love that fact because as individuals, we actually really crave the vulnerability. We crave to have people see us. Yeah. We crave that intimate connection. Oftentimes, we just don't know how to get there.
1: Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Now, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit on to just like, creating boundaries and, and, and reason for boundaries not only in obviously our, our could be our business or, or, or work mm-hmm. lifestyle but also our, our relationship health as well, right?
0: Mm. You know, and <clears throat> I love that this is Um, that we're using this today because I'm teaching a boundary workshop this weekend and so yeah I've been working on boundaries all week long (laughs) and it's just been awesome and so whenever there's something that I'm working on you know for a workshop or whatever of course it's up in my life yeah yeah so creating boundaries is so important first of all it gives us such an incredible sense of self and trust in ourselves, because again, a lot of us don't have that foundational trust within ourselves. We're like, yeah, 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 I'll do it, and then it doesn't happen. No. Or, no, I'm not going to do that, and then we end up saying, all right, because of all of this stuff in the background, and so we don't have clear boundaries. When we say no, come from that place of literally meaning with all of your body, no, Mm-hmm. And if you say yes, it's because you want to say yes, not because you feel compelled, you feel, or not compelled, you feel obligated, um, you feel shamed into it, you feel like, well, I should, that, that word should, woo!
2: Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, oh, I guess I just should do it. Should, I mean, come yeah. on, your, your shoulders just drop to the ground when you use that word. Yeah. And so having those clear boundaries creates such a sense of safety and stability within ourselves. It creates an incredible um, self-assurance within ourselves. And so boundaries, first of all, have so many reasons that we use them. Second of all, it lets other people know where we stop and where they start, so that we're not you know, completely enmeshed of like, you know, some people say, oh, I know exactly what you're thinking, or I don't even have to speak, because they know what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, by and large, when you've been in a really long, committed relationship, that's probably the case, but even still, I find myself going, I so know what you're gonna say, and my husband will go, actually, you don't, because here's what I'm gonna say, and I'm like, <laughs>
2: oh, right,
0: okay, wrong, I did not know what you were gonna say, right, and so right. those boundaries, keeping those boundaries really clear, are so important because also other than giving us that incredible you know, sense of stability and foundation, it allows other people to actually really see us for who we are. You know, one of the things that I'm teaching this weekend is over committing ourselves. Okay. And that's one of the things that I work on too because as you and I were talking before, the shiny object syndrome is just so up for me all the time. If some new project comes along I'm like, oh, that looks shiny and fun, let's yeah. try that. <laughs> and i overcommit myself and so that is a boundary that i currently am working on is not overcommitting because then here's what happens to me is that i get overwhelmed then i get anxious then i get resentful then i get bitter and then i get bitchy and you know and all of these things come in because i let my boundaries go right and so when we start practicing setting boundaries, sometimes we have to be actually really rigid until we learn, like, oh, okay, this feels really comfortable now, and now I can soften up a little bit. And I don't mean soften up as in, like, go back to saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. It means, like, okay, now I've said no to the last 10 things. Is there one thing I might want to say yes to? Because now I know what it feels like in my boundaries. So boundaries are definitely a continual thing that we work on.
1: Yes, yes. Um- mm-hmm and and the, everything you just you just mentioned it definitely falls in line because i had a, a lady called Dominique Mass on the previous episode and you know we were talking a lot about work boundaries you know and just our work lifestyle and, and mm-hmm. kind of outlining that and you know her her saying was you know to her clients like if you're asked to do something or there's an obligation that you have a say yes or no in if it's not if it's not a hard yes it's a hard no
0: absolutely and so I was like
1: oh that is just like a go-to for creating boundaries like just take that one line and, and you know there you go yeah
0: it is thanks for sharing that because yeah that's a good one
1: yeah yeah now you've kind of talked a little bit about triggers already Tara and let's kind of just go into what exactly some of those triggers could be and you know strategies also for for kind of dealing with them too,
0: yeah, and I love I have a love hate relationship with triggers, <laughs> as we probably all do because the triggers are there for us to learn if there wasn 't something stuck in our crawl, it wouldn 't be a trigger right and so ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time when something gets you and triggers you. It's about you. It's not gonna be about that other person. There's something within us that it's triggering, and we might have to look pretty deep to find it. I mean, you know, sometimes I've said, like we just mentioned, like, God, this is not about me. And, you know, but as soon as I soften and quit putting up that big wall and then realizing, like, oh, maybe it takes 24 hours before it reveals itself. But as soon as I say, all right, you know what, I'm willing. To see what this is about, you know, it was really interesting. One, someone had shared with me recently, like, you know, they were in the in the airport and they were rushing to get their flight because actually their flight was already delayed. They had another commitment on the other end that they knew that the time was already going to be crunched, and so their bag, their carry-on bag that they've used for years and years and years, all of a sudden was too big. You know, and and you know, the person was like. I don't even know what you're trying to tell me. Like, I've been using this same bag for years and it's never g- not gone, you know, yeah. as a carry on. Oh, it's too big. It's going to have to be checked. And this person said, Oh, but actually I've got to almost run out of the gate to make this other appointment that I'm, you know, this business thing. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the gate check lady was adamant that it was going to be under the belly of the plane and that this person would have to go to baggage claim and yada, yada, yada.
2: Right.
0: And so it was such a trigger, um, for my client that when, when we talked and, and she was sharing, you know, this whole thing and she said, God, I was so triggered. Once I got on the plane, I looked at all these other people that were behind me, their bags were like, you know, another half size bigger than my bag. Right, and yeah. like, you know, and this was such a trigger. And she said, there was no way. How is this about me? You know, it was all about this other woman. <laughs> and so as we started to unpeel it, she was really working on anger and working on her own issues with anger and how she reacted to situations. And so we broke it down and she was like, actually, take the bag away. It wasn't even about the bag. Mm -hmm. It was about me and how I choose to act in a specific situation, whether I choose to act with anger. And, And she said, the situation wasn't changing. What was happening was my bag was being put under the plane and I was gonna have to go get it it was how was i going to react to this was i going to sit on the plane and fume like you know my whole body was affected by right. this trigger you know like so much happened with this trigger and so she had shared with me you know one of the biggest lessons i learned from just this small interaction was how all of that anger used to affect me and i didn't even realize yeah. how my body reacted how my gut reacted, how my mind reacted, how the entire flight would have been affected, and then what I would have have wanted to do to numb out and not feel all of this. So it was like this ripple effect of what she learned from what that lady at the checkout gave her. So she said it was actually really a gift.
1: Awesome. So we're going to, yeah, let's talk about gender roles next. And, uh, yeah, I grew up in a family. I have two older sisters. I was the only boy. And I'm definitely thankful for that when it comes to gender roles because I feel like if I didn't, I might have an outdated view of of gender roles. So I'll let you kind of explain what gender roles are and, and some of the conventional theories when it comes to this area.
0: Yes, and I love that you grew up uh, Catholic, uh, Irish Catholic, because I grew up um, in a Catholic household as well, and it was really apparent to me what the gender roles were mm. growing up. <clears throat> it was that my dad was the one who went to work and made all of the money, thus and well, and and he. Um, so my mom, there was four of us children, and so my mom stayed home. They put us through private school. So my dad was continually working thus meant he was absent, and so in my mind, the gender roles that I was shown growing up was that the male leaves the house, makes all the money, Mm -hmm. really isn't emotionally present, and the female's job is to cook and clean, and and my mom was a fantastic, well, still is a fantastic seamstress, so she made a lot of our clothes, volunteered, and so that was my example of what a marriage looked like, what gender roles looked like, and so I thought, oh, right. I mean, again, this is such a subconscious thing, a lot of times so unconscious, is that we learn by example, and so whatever that example is, until we make the realization like, that's how I grew up, but that's not how I want it to be Mm -hmm. until we have that realization. We just continue in those patterns. And so when I married my husband, I was like, right. So you're going to go off to work and I am going to stay at home, which was fun. I loved, loved, loved the mom gig. I still love it. But, you know, and then I started having these internal conflicts of like, but wait a minute, you're never home and you're emotionally unavailable. What (laughs) is that all about? (laughs) You know? And so, you know, I married exactly the example that I was raised with just on a subconscious level. And mm-hmm. so when I started getting really frustrated with how he wasn't showing up and I was like, but you know, this is not my parents' marriage. Why aren't you here? And so it was because I married exactly what I thought I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And my husband completely filled that role. He came from the exact same situation. And so both of us were like, trying to figure out why we were butting heads. And it's so funny looking back because it's exactly what we did. We we jumped into our relationship from what we thought it was supposed to look like, yet we started butting heads because it wasn't what we wanted it to look like. And right. so I love now that the genders are so much more fluid. I have had several clients who the men have been the stay-at-home dads and they've been an amazing incredible nurturers and they have loved that role and the woman has been the one who you know makes the majority of the money and she has such she has so much more masculine activated in her and the husband has way more feminine activated in him and so once we are able to to um lean into that balance of masculine and feminine. And, you know, a lot of us have more that we lean towards than the other. And I don't feel like it's dependent upon the physical shell that we inhabit right now. Right. Whether or not we inhabit a male body or a female body or a gender neutral body, it's whatever we feel resonates with us the most. And so in my marriage, I will just use mine as an example. Sure. It's been a practice and a process for both of us to show up in that balance. Because as my husband was in the military, an incredibly masculine role, Mm -hmm. I was balancing the other side of our marriage by staying at home and raising the kids, which again, I super duper loved. I would never have changed it for the world. But then once our children started growing, and I was like, oh, I think I want to start working. There was this up evil in our marriage because it wasn 't what we knew, mm-hmm. and I was stepping more into a masculine role by working, and I had started a business at that point, and I had people that were working for me, so I was way more in my masculine and my husband didn 't know quite how to react to that masculinity within me. all he knew of me was I was super duper feminine, and so I love that question because as today it's so easy for us to just pick and choose like oh i totally want to be you know or we can both be yeah it's whatever you know it's what we get to choose right i, right. I feel like the gender roles are so fluid these days which is awesome It's as they should be
1: yes yes exactly i think i think it's it's moving in the right direction right and mm-hmm. definitely comes to you know categorizing and saying that okay only females do this or only males do this and i was like listen Everybody
0: can do whatever they want to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I love the men who, like my husband, like his part of the contribution is the household. He does the laundry. He takes that job so seriously. Like he, our clothes are beautiful because that's part of his job. He also, like every couple of weeks, we trade jobs on grocery shopping. And so it's no longer that just the women do the laundry and the cooking. and the Like it's an equal opportunity household. And I love that because that is what our youngest, who is 18, sees. Yeah. Because that's the example that he's getting. We don't have to tell him this is what it looks like. It's the example that he sees exactly. every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's going to set him up for success because, like mm-hmm. you said previously, like older generations, you know, we have grown up to where at home we had these very divided gender roles and like subconsciously so yes. that's what we're used to. But now mm-hmm. that you have evolved and, and your son sees that with, with his parents, that's uh, that's almost like so much more freeing for him to see that, even though he may not obviously at the time realize it but it'll it'll stand him in good stead moving forward
0: it is incredibly freeing thank you for using that terminology because yes he gets to choose right the roles that he wants to try on i mean he can try them all out and right. see what really resonates with him, versus oh well, I guess this is how it looks, so I guess this is what i 'm supposed to do,
2: yeah you know, yeah,
0: yes, I love that yes you 're right it 's so free
1: awesome, awesome, all right so this uh, this next topic is one i 've been <clears throat> looking forward to discussing with you, so uh, people basically and and people saying what's on their mind right and when it comes mm-hmm. to relationships this can be this can be a very hot topic and I'm just going to ask you like what are what are some of the underlying causes of why people may shy away from really saying what's on their mind uh, in relation to confrontation in relationships
0: mm-hmm. yeah and there's gosh I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep this brief because sure. this is something that I could talk about for a long time yeah um so first of all we have it in our nature that we're non-confrontational because whatever the example was that we've grown up with, whether it's we grew up with someone who was a yeller and we're afraid of being yelled at, mm-hmm. you know, or we got punished for speaking up or we got laughed at or ridiculed. And so we have learned, again, by example, that it's not safe to, to, to create a riff or to create a conf- uh, confrontation. So we shy away confrontation we're the people pleasers right we just want to keep the peace so we shy away from confrontation um we don't have a safe boundary within us that tells us i know what's right and so when we don't have that safe boundary within that says yeah this isn't right then we don't know that it's okay to speak up yeah and so you know that old saying children are seen not heard i mean literally that created so many waves within us that means we don't confront anything because we don't have a voice. And so that's a little piece of it. Another piece is that maybe we don't know how to use our words. Like we had talked at the very beginning, I don't know how to communicate. And so I don't know how to exactly say what it is that I want to say. And so when we learn specific tools on communication and the right way to communicate instead of just vomiting our anger all over the place.
2: Um,
0: The communication becomes becomes so much more effective and neutral. My husband and I, gosh, I can't even say the last time that we really had a heated argument because we have come to the place where when there is a riff and something is up, we know how to communicate in that neutral place. And one of the biggest things that I teach is I feel blank when blank. Mm -hmm. And it means not I feel like you should. It is I feel really uh, anxious or I feel really hurt when. And then we use that. Another thing I teach is that we all create these stories in our minds Mm -hmm. about, you know, when you've done something, I'm creating the story of why you did it. Right. And nine times out of 10, that story is absolutely wrong. And so <laughs> we have started using the story I'm creating in my mind is uh, okay. because what that does is first of all, it takes all of the defensiveness out. Yeah. My partner is no longer defensive because I've taken it back to me. It's on my side of the street. Right. I am taking complete ownership for the story I'm creating about what you just did or said or you know whatever and so confrontation can be a really good thing if something needs to come up and be you know sussed out and figured out to get to that neutral space confrontation is good i think we've we've learned to look at it as a bad thing because we know confrontation is anger right right? yeah and so when it is left unaddressed We have not learned boundaries. I love this question that you had given to me as well. If left unaddressed with the lack of boundaries, it becomes impossible later down the road because when we don't confront what's going on, Mm. and I know this from so much personal experience because I grew up in one of those households where it wasn't safe to say what I was thinking. Like, I just better close my mouth. Because at the time when I was growing up, I had um, a lot of people in my life that were overbearing. And so if I were to say something as a little child, I could have been reprimanded, I could have been yelled at, I could have been grounded, sent you know, whatever, all of these, you know, things as a child, I felt shamed. Right. And I felt so small. And so when my husband and I started to learn how to talk, and still I will find myself um, going within, and my husband will say, all right, what's going on? Because you're not talking. I'm like, oh, God.
2: <laughs>
0: there it is again. Yep. And so I know that when I don't speak, first, what happens is I'm creating a gazillion stories in my mind <laughs> about why he just did that right. or said that. Second of all, then I'll start getting bitter mm. and then I'll start getting get resentful and then I'll start getting like, then it goes within my body and starts creating stuff in my body. And so when we choose not to confront what's going on, all of this stuff I mean, and then, I mean, we could go on with health issues and, you know, on and on and on. But confrontation can actually be a really good thing if we come with that mindset of, oh, sure, I know how to speak for myself. I know how to speak with neutrality, with confidence. And I know how to get to the other side of whatever this issue is.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and, you know, I I really feel like what you just mentioned in relation to you know, kind of phrasing it in the way the story in my mind that I'm creating is, mm. is so, you know, identifiable for a lot of people because, you know, when you're in that back and forth with your significant other, things change in your mind to where, okay, did this really happen or am I just making mm-hmm. this happen? You know, so yes. yeah, I definitely identify with that. Yeah.
0: I mean, let's face it, we create stories about everything all day long.
1: Yeah. 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 Very true. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've definitely been to the place where my wife's like, uh, you know, are, where, where did this come from or this part of the story? I was like, I'm pretty sure that happened. And then later on when I'm thinking about myself, I was like, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. So, right. you know.
0: Yeah, it becomes a comedy sometimes if we can look back with the, with the thought of, that was all me. Like, right. I yes.
1: did that. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, okay. I want you to fill everybody in. This is a work in progress, but you have a book in the works, correct?
0: I do. I do. It is about the relationship playbook for marriage. It's how to be present in your relationship and how it's, it is about the two of you, but how it's ultimately about you. And it's about healing you. And one of my therapists at one point used this, keeping your side of the street clean instead of making sure that you're just, that you're not pushing everything else to the other side of the street. And Mm. so- in a marriage, it's it's always about us. And I don't mean that from an egoic standpoint. It is about self-care in so many different ways. When we are taking care of ourselves and being true to ourselves and speaking our truth, our relationships and specifically marriage flourish and flow and get so much better mm. when we are totally taking care of ourselves. And that was like the key thing that my husband and I learned through all of the different therapists was not only are we in this together but we are so in this individually like we have to practice daily self-care because that's when our marriage flourishes is right. that when we are individually taking care of us so in a nutshell that's what the book is about <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: yeah and definitely uh, a lot of a lot of really helpful and insightful advice and uh, you know practical tips that would obviously assist a marriage kind of developing and and becoming what we kind of talked about throughout this podcast
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah that's awesome well I want to thank you Tara for taking the time to come on the podcast today this has been really really fascinating stuff and you know I feel like we could talk for another two or three hours and and I I, I would still I would continue to learn a ton so yeah
0: thanks john i really enjoyed it it's been fun
1: yeah and uh can you go ahead and fill everybody in on where they can find you your website your social media all that good stuff
0: yes 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 so you can find all of the information at the relationship com. all of my social media is on there uh my favorite social media is instagram and i am do i do stories every day on my personal life which is really fun. I give tips every day. Um, I do lots of Facebook Live, so you can find me there. There is tons of free information. Um, from my podcast days, there's tons of podcast blogs, there's so much free content. And then when I have workshops coming up, that information will be on there as well. And then you can find my six month and six week courses that are also, also available on my website. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I would definitely recommend checking out your website because if you are coming from a growth mindset and looking to develop personally, but also your relationship, there is some fantastic content on there. So I will include a a link in the show notes for that.
0: Awesome. Thanks, John.
1: All right. All right, everyone listening at home, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to the Quotas Health Podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode.